Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Angle on Producers. I'm your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. This is a show where I spotlight producers from all corners of the entertainment industry to understand who they are, what they do, and why they do it. The podcast is a labor of love that has honestly become like free therapy for me. Pursuing this business can often feel like you're stuck on a roller coaster with no end in sight. It's riddled with highs so high that the air thins and lows so low you wonder if you'll ever get back to sea level. I don't mean to be melodramatic or to sound discouraging. I'm just being honest. It's absolutely worth doing, but on the days where I question the merits of that statement myself, the show reminds me that I'm not alone. The wisdom shared by these incredible guests help guide me back on my path. And hearing from you, my dear listener, that the show also inspires, informs, and motivates you Well, it inspires and motivates me. So when I say thank you for doing this life thing with me, I mean it. And so however you found the show, I am so grateful you are here. Thank you. Now, let's talk about the luminous and vibrant Paige Simpson, who is head of development and production at Rachel Brosnahan's production company, Scrap Paper Pictures. This also happens to be her birthday week, so give her a shout out. I slid into her DMs last summer when I saw the announcement in the trades, and I am so grateful she accepted my invite to be on the show. In editing, I laughed, I cried, I felt seen. It was refreshing to commiserate and celebrate the ups and downs of the hustle with someone who is cut from such a similar cloth, and who has also had to blaze her own path. The hour flew by as we discussed the lessons she learned working with the queen herself, Viola Davis, the importance of keeping a group of friends around you that love you and push you, and the constant topics that seem to plague our business, depression and self-worth. I can't wait to hear what you take away from this chat. And hey, if you don't already, please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your support of me, of the show, helps keep this labor of love going. Without further ado, let's tune in and hear from Paige. You know, that's so funny because I was going to wear mine and then we would have been twinsies. Oh, we yeah. worn it. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know why I was, I was like, after watching I'm Your Woman, I was like, I want to go with more of like a 70s kind of like. I love it. I have nothing sure. in my closet that matches that, so I couldn't even try. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, it's always nice. I always feel like. Like, it's such a win for me when I can pursue someone on Instagram and be like, she's dope. I want to talk to her. And then I make it happen. It it just brings me so much like personal joy. And I think speaks to that hustle that you have to have as a producer. Yeah. So thank you Definitely. for saying yes. I, mean, I love that. Um, I love the hustle in others because I see myself in that. Um, that's kind of how I got my first job in the industry, really, is reaching out through social media. Uh, interesting well so I want to get to that but so take me to the beginning you you're from LA Mm -hmm. you grew up around here were you aware growing up here of the industry and that that was something that you wanted to get into no not at all I mean I was aware of of course TV and film I was aware of acting and I think it's so it's so cool I love that you like the questions that you sent over 
are so uh, like you did a deep dive. I was like, yeah. how did she find this stuff? Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I think I was always like, oh, I want to be an actress. I want to be able to play different roles and be different people. That, that sounds fun. Um, and then as I got older, what I realized was I was running away from myself a little bit. And so mm. I was looking for, forward to playing roles that weren't me, right? Um, and so... I, I had no idea what a producer was, a director. I'm assuming that I realized that there was writing that the actors had to read in lines, but never really crossed my mind. Yeah. Um, and let alone executives at a production company or a network, like I had no idea. Um, yeah. And, you know, being raised in Altadena, I went to school in Burbank and I was on the medical track, as you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to be a doctor since I could remember. Um, and at Providence in Burbank, they have a medical and immediate track because they're right across the street from um, Disney Studios and then right adjacent to Providence St. Joseph Hospital. And so I did the medical track and a few of my friends did the media track. And I remember being like, so you're doing media like you're going to go like play at Disney. Like you had that judgment. Okay, right? I'm going to be you a doctor. Judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, I was I'm, like ta- I'm, I'm taking life doctor. seriously. Yeah. 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 Um, and like, while you guys are over there, like hanging out with celebrities, I'm going to be saving lives. <laughs> Doing real important work. Yeah. Doing really important work. Um, so it's, it's really full circle. Um, yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so then you decide to go pursue, get a degree in biology at Spelman. You leave LA. Tell me about this. I'm sure your mom was really proud of you. She's like, oh, I raised this daughter. She's going to go be a doctor. I'm chilling. I'm set. And then you get there. And at some point in your journey, you realize that that's not for you. Talk about having that realization and then identifying like what what was next, especially if you had not really had a lot of experience in the business. It's fascinating to me that you were like, "Mm, no, not biology, but I'm going to go back into the film industry versus anything else that you could have done, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, kudos to my mom because she has gone, I've taken her through many heart attacks. And, um, <laughs> but she always told me that I could be and do anything I wanted to. So I think that was a really freeing th- thing to kind of be raised with, to know that like, I could do anything. Um, now I just need to figure out what I want to do. And I mean, she definitely steered me into like medicine and biology and I was in all of the medical clubs and I played chess and I was like that kind of person. Um, but being at Spelman opened my eyes up to passion and Mm. wanting to do something that I loved and not only something that I was good at. Right. So I just, I just so happened to be really good at math and science. So happened to be good at like learning terminology and and memorizing it, but it wasn't my passion. And so I looked around and I started to see people who were really excited about the next steps in their life. Like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till I graduate because I'm going to go and pursue X, Y, and Z. And I was like, I'm going to take the MCAT and then I'm going to be, you know, emergency room surgeon. It's going to be great. I'm going to, you know, save lives. And I just knew that like, I didn't feel that burning desire. Yeah. Um, Also, when you're in the emergency room and you're shadowing physicians, a lot of uh, people are dying. So (laughs) I didn't realize that 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 was something that I was going to have to deal with on a daily basis, multiple times a day. Um, So there's not enough training in the world that can prepare you to tell someone that their loved ones are no longer here. 
And that just wasn't exciting to me anymore. Like at all in the, in the beginning, I just was like, I never thought about it until I had to do it. Yeah. It's like you had an idea, it sounds like, of what you thought it was going to be like. And then you got there and you're like, oh, there's all this other stuff that they don't really tell you about, you know, in the the books when you're choosing your path. Of course, I knew it wasn't Grey's Anatomy, right? Like I was like, (laughs) all right, I know it's not like this. And I had experience multiple times being in the hospital. But in college, I had the experience of having to tell people that their loved ones were, were gone. And I was like, nope, I can't do this every day. So I came home (laughs) after, you know, doing, I did a domestic exchange at Wellesley, an international study at the University of Sussex. And I've always been that person to just like go and try and do new things and um, be open to failing. I think that's really important in our industry um, Mm -hmm. and kind of the world, but specifically we're talking about producing. Um, There's projects like the Queen's Gambit that's been around for 30 years and hit every roadblock. And so I think you have to be resilient. Um, so I came home and was like, I want to do something fun. I just want to have fun for a minute. Um, fun doesn't always equate to money. <laughs> like, Amen. Yeah. You're just like, Oh, that's kind of fun. But I'm done. When you thought fun, what did that mean? That meant like, I want to get in the film industry. I think it meant I wanted to try it out things that I was scared to try before, um, which was acting. So I, I did a little bit of acting. I also did the, I can't, I think it was not, was it the Miss America pageant? I did one of those pageants yeah. um, <laughs> because one, I'm afraid to walk on stage mm. and I'm afraid for people to like judge me and to see, I'm afraid of what they'll see. Right. I think, mm. um, it's a very vulnerable place to be. To be on a stage. Being on a stage in front of people that you don't know, you can't really see them. Yeah. They can see all of you. And then especially in those kind of pageants where you're in like a swimsuit. Um, And I was like, ah! Um, So I faced my fear and I did that. After a while, I realized that I didn't like the rejection of acting. Yeah. I think as someone who also kind of started as an actor, I came out here to pursue the industry as an actor before finding producing as like a way to create my own opportunities. What I learned is that I love acting. I just don't want to have the actor lifestyle. And those are two very different things. And there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. And I would be on set as an actor being like, what's everybody else doing? How does this all come together? You know, and wanting to talk to all the department heads and they're like, stay in your trailer. So uh, that's when I was like, yeah, I was like, maybe there's more beyond this 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 thing that is very important and awesome and fun that it just expanded my world. So I really yeah. identify, yeah, with what you're sharing. Are you from LA as well? No, I'm actually from Brazil. So I, um, lo- people listening are like, oh, you tell the story every time. So, <laughs> but but short short like you know TLDR version. As I was born in Brazil, my parents moved here when I was nine to Virginia. And then my dad got a job in Florida, which is uh, where I went to like element, uh, middle high school. And then I did college for two years. I went to University of Central Florida okay. with the intention of studying theater and, you know, getting a BFA. And then after two years of getting antsy, I came out here to pursue acting. So, but now I've been in LA for 14 years. So I feel like, it's yeah. Home. I, yeah, it's home. You know, I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else. And I feel like LA is is it just, it gets me and I get it, you know? Yeah. 
It's interesting. But okay, so then you you see the acting isn't for you, but you want to stay in this grind and you say you get on social media and that's how you kind of hustle your way into your first opportunity. Tell us yeah. about that. <laughs> um, so funny. I feel like the, the people that I'm going to mention are going to be watching like, yep, she did that. Hey. Um, so I was acting and was like, okay, I don't want to do this. But because we're actors, we're in rooms with casting directors. I'm like, okay, so maybe I want to be a casting director. Like, yep. I think I could be on the other side of the table. Um, so I just started reaching out, like cold emailing emails that I had. And of course there were none that I really, like two people I had their emails. And then I was like, oh, Tracy Twinkie Bird is amazing. Yeah. Michelle, they've casted some great things. Like, I've been in front of them like once or twice. I'm sure they don't remember me. I'm looking <laughs> everywhere for their email addresses. Can't find them. No phone numbers. And what year is this? Oh my gosh. 2010? I think it's important to note just because the internet was such a different world back then and finding people's information actually was much harder than it is now. Yeah, I think it was 2011. I knew they have Facebook. I'm just going to send them this message. And so I sent Twinkie Bird this Facebook message of like, hi, I'm a recent college grad from Spelman. Um, I'd love to intern in your office. I have no experience, but I'm willing to work for free. Don't suggest anyone say that um, in 2021. Um, but in 2011, I did say that. Um, and she never got back to me. So I reached out to Michelle and I sent the same exact message. And Michelle, who is hilarious, was like, sure, call the office. And I'm like, cool. You're going to give me the number? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. She did not give me the number. So I finally just got the nerve to, to send her another message like, hey, so sorry. I couldn't find <laughs> the number. Can you give me the number? And she's like, here. And just gave me the number. <laughs> and so I called her. And again, it's just a matter of like, my mom always says, you have a no before you ask. So just ask. I interned with them for about a year for free until they started paying me. <laughs> um, I learned so much. Like I was getting the sides and seeing the actors come in and out. And I realized that I wanted more than the sides. I was like, where's the script? Like what, what else is happening with this character? Who's deciding what happens with this character? It's a really eye-opening experience. I recommend anyone listening, regardless of what path you want to take. It's so important to sit in on casting sessions. Some people can walk in and just like something about them. They're just already the role. You know, there's just something about the way they walk and maybe that's put on or maybe that's just who they are. And you'll never know. Right. That's the beauty of it. But I definitely had that experience because I I did something similar where I I would be a reader for casting directors because I was just like hungry for experience and knowledge. I didn't go to film school. I didn't go up the assistant route. I had very similar to you where it's like, I got to get this education somehow and no one's going to hand it to me. So I'm just going to go ask for it. Why not? Like you said, the least they can do is say no, but it just really opened my eyes. One, how much easier it is to be the the audience than the actor right during the yep. audition you're like this isn't so bad when you're sitting on the other side right. of the table oh my gosh like they missed that line I could have I mean I could have got that yeah <laughs> or like you, you know but you don't even notice it but mm. it just gives you that much more sympathy at least for me it did about the actors that are you know putting all of themselves out there to come in and whether it's like a Burger King commercial or it's the role of a lifetime 
Sorry if you hear a little bit of background noise. Again, we're from home, guys. Um, I have my nieces here with me. No worries. We keep it real on the show. You know, the show used to be called Life with Kaka. Now it's Angle on Producers, but we're still here to talk about the Kaka and the messy parts. And this is the the Kaka that is, that was 2020, that is January 2021. It is a Kaka, but there's so much to be grateful for. You mentioned earlier, you know, doctors, yeah, they save save lives. And while we are definitely not curing cancer or saving lives, I think we're, we're, curing people's souls. You know, I think we're here to help people go through things in their lives, all kinds of things. And so filmmaking is the ultimate act of community service because we see ourselves in these images. We find ourselves, we lose ourselves, sense of community, you know, we maybe don't see ourselves like growing up and it's important to, so I I just, I think that, yeah, I think that getting to do this is not easy it definitely comes with uh, a lot of uncertainty and frustration. Uh, for me, for sure, the path has definitely been the grind never ends. But ultimately, what keeps coming, what keeps bringing me back to it is this reminder that if this impacts just one person and changes one person's perspective on anything, whether it's through an important documentary or a silly comedy, like then that is worth doing. You know, that is worth leaving behind. And I feel very grateful not to like sort of take it off course here, but that, Mm -hmm. you know, that I, that I get to do this, that we get to do this. What a privilege that we get to have this time and space as women. Like there's never been a better time to be a woman. Yeah. Like that is, that's so true is that like, it's definitely a privilege and we, we do heal souls and we are responsible for building culture maintaining and searching forward different images that, you know, they say life reflects art and art reflects life. That's right. And where we don't know where that starts and where that stops, but it is, I think it's cyclical. And I think that they all influence each other. Yeah. Um, and I think it's in, really important to just take that responsibility so seriously. Yes. But I, that that's one of the biggest things that I try to do with our projects is to know that I am privileged to tell certain stories and what, how powerful that impact can be. I mean, we saw that with like Coco and Black Panther and how little kids are looking at these shows and these movies and like, wow, that's me. Like, I see me. And I I remember for me growing up, I didn't see that at all. There There were no times other than, you know, like Family Matters and Fresh Prince, but that I can be like, oh, like that's me. Yeah. Or I want to be that, or that's my mom. Um, yeah. And it's so interesting because like as children, you know, we, our, our imagination is that we sort of like transform ourselves into these characters. Yeah. And so you you do become these characters that you love, but you never really stop to think because you're a kid. Oh yeah, none of these none of these people look like me. I love all these characters. I dress. I want to dress up like them for Halloween, but none of them actually look like me. Um, and as someone who is like a white appearing Latina, you know, I definitely had the privilege of never having to be aware of that fact mm-hmm. until I was much older. It's yeah. almost embarrassing, but it's like every the movements that have been happening have really helped me as well. Like reflect on what are the images that I'm putting out there. What are the stereotypes that I'm subconsciously perpetuating that I want to use this this power and this platform to change those things you know micro steps brick by brick is how you build a bridge somewhere 
one thing that you mentioned is like the the journey and how you we never you're never done, right? Like people are like, oh, so how does it feel that you're? And it's like, well, I'm, it's still work. Like I'm still yeah. working, and there's still so much to be done. Like I don't think we'll ever be done. If you've done your work well, you pass the baton for someone else coming up behind right. you to continue the work and and the legacy that is like you said, like leaving behind stories that are going to impact change and be part of this conversation that is so much bigger than our lifetime. So all that to say that, yes, for as insane as 2020 has been, I also think that it's given us massive blessings to really redefine ourselves as an industry, as individuals, as producers, like who are we going to be now? The biggest lessons is like, like I mentioned, my nieces are here. I think that I learned that family is important to me. I know. And Isn't that crazy <laughs> that you took a pandemic to be Who like, oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, I am still a workaholic and I still like love what I do, but it's important that we're in people's homes and you see these executives and actors and producers with their families and their dogs in the background and handling life because I think sometimes we disconnect people from their lives. And we're like, oh, so you're just a producer. You're right. just this one thing. And actually, like, you're a full human that yes. has emotions. I want to um, just get back to your journey a little bit. I want to know how Viola came into your life, because I find it fascinating that you got to have this really personal relationship with her. And it sounds like she became a mentor and a friend. I came into Viola's life as her nanny. Humility and knowing that you want to learn is really important to, to me and my journey. And I think I, I was tutoring. So my mom told me I had to use my degree um, at all times. So I was tutoring people in math and biology and all kinds of other fun stuff. And the agency that was placing me with families, they gave me a call and were like, hey, we have this actress who just got this TV job. She's looking for somebody to kind of come in and help her with her daughter, but also who knows the industry because she's looking to grow her company. Um, she just like, she might be closing a deal soon with um, a studio. So somebody who's just willing to, to learn and grow. They're like, well, she's looking for somebody who is young, who is uh, black, preferably um, or a woman of color. And, you know, being from LA um, and knowing our world, I was like, nobody asked for that. So what is happening? It's very I, specific. It was like destined for you. <laughs> I was like, who, who's pranking me? Honestly, like I thought it was a friend pranking me. <laughs> nobody asked for a black woman to do anything. They were like, it's Viola Davis. And I was like, yes, please sit like what I've been, I love her. Um, yeah. I love her work. I like, follow her speeches. I mean, she's amazing. Um, come to find out full circle, I won't say the name of the, the agency, but I was the only um, Black person on their roster to send. Wow. So when you talk about destiny, I think it is twofold. Like I am blessed that I, that I was that one person, but it sucks that there was only one. I never thought that like my journey would come to, to being a nanny for Viola. Um, which is crazy because I had so much fun and I learned so much. I was able to, which is just great. I tell people this all the time, like learn in the background with low stakes, right? Mm. So I was able to give opinions that didn't really have any weight to them. <laughs> or repercussions, right? <laughs> or repercussions. Like, hmm, the script is a little, I don't know. And she's like, yeah, it's not good. I'm like, yeah, 
like we're on the same page. Yeah, same wavelength. Um, versus yeah. like now, like what we do has, you know, has some consequences. Right. <laughs> so I was able to help her and her really maintain her her home life while also learning what the industry um, have different titles and try to juggle it as a woman in this industry and juggle as a woman of color. And um, so I was with her for two years. I would like okay. try to take, like put in my phone and be like, for record everything she says. Yeah. Should, you know. What's the biggest takeaway? Like if you could sum up the, the biggest lesson that you walked away with after those two years. You know, it's so funny because I'm still learning from her today. Yeah. I think one thing is that Viola, she believed in herself. Mm. When there weren't people that looked like her doing what she wanted to do. And there were people saying, no, you can't do that. You can't like leading lady, the sexy leading lady. Hmm, I don't know about that. And she really kept pushing. And I was like, this, I know that this is for me. I know that I'm like destined to do this. Viola has always been a, an artist who is respectful of the craft and respectful of others around her and of appreciating their being mm. and knowing that like, like seeing her speak to the PAs in the same way that she would speak to the director yeah. uh, is something that I, I continue to do and to make sure that like every set I'm on, that everyone feels valuable because they are like, yeah. look at those credits after every film and TV show. Like it's not two people. <laughs> yeah. It's There's no way that it could be two people. Yeah. I'm still learning every time she speaks. I'm like, yes, that. <laughs> yeah. I, she said something that I wrote down, uh, strive for significance, not just for success. Yeah. I think is, is beautiful. You said in an article that she taught you that loving yourself unapologetically is the key to success and to happiness. Like no matter when experiences get you down, you have to trust that you're here for a reason. And so yeah. on that note, there's so many ups and downs in this business. And now you've been at it for a decade, it sounds like yeah. about a decade, right? So when you've had these ups and downs, like how do you get yourself out of the down and <laughs> back to a place of a high to yeah. still continue? I mean, I think that one thing is is for certain is that I think that self-care should be at the forefront of everybody's mind, but is not. And I think it's really good to continue to to talk about that. And um, I suck at it. So I'm just <laughs> completely transparent. Um, Rachel is always like, take a break, like put your computer away. Don't answer your phone. And I'm like, no, but I'm going to miss. And you're like, you're not going to miss anything. You will be fine. I spend time with family. I think mm. family really humbles me. <laughs> I mean, they're like, oh, so they you- They are not impressed. Yeah. No, not at all. I, I tried to win brandy points, like when Viola and Julius and Genesis came to like my birthday party and they were just kind of like, cool, cool, go away. We're just want to hang out with Viola. And I was like, guys, I made this happen. <laughs> they're like, yeah, bye. Like, bye, bye. we don't care. I love that. Like, I'm still like their little cousin. I'm still the niece. I'm still the the girl that grew up in Altadena that had dreams and, you know, followed them and is still following them. 
there is no one path, right? But when I started out, I didn't know that. And I felt like, oh, I missed out. I didn't go the assistant route. I don't yeah, know anyone. Do the ballroom first. And I then- did, yeah, I didn't do, do the few things that I had learned were people's yeah. trajectory. I just felt like I was always behind. So I was like, all right, I got to work harder than everybody started to realize that my self-worth and my identity as a human was getting tied up in this idea of being this producer, of being this person who's working and the hustle and the grind. And you always got to be, you know, and it would lead to depression because when that went away, it's like, oh, no one's calling me for work. You know, I was in my 20s as well. So it was, I was still growing up, but it took a long time and a lot of therapy and yoga and real self-care to kind of get on the other side of that. And I wouldn't say I'm like immune to it. I still very much feel that. All this to say that like navigating those challenges for you, like is there a ritual that you have or a group of people that really have helped you stay the course if you've, if you, maybe you haven't like wanted to throw in the towel and say, fuck this, like maybe I'll go back to biology or maybe I'll Go do something completely different. I restarted once. Why not again? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, um, I love that question because I think you're you're absolutely right. There's so many times where you're like, 30 years, like, I don't want to wait 30 years to make my dream project. Like, yeah. I mean, we're both very young, and but it feels like 30 years feels like too long. <laughs> I would say so. Absolutely not. Um yeah. So you're like, why would anybody want to do that to themselves? So for my self-care, I have a really good group of friends. I have some that are in the industry, um, Jamila Hunter, Denise Davis, Corinne Williams. I have some that are outside of the industry that I relate to on different levels about different things. Um, But all of those, the mainly women, um, have a few, you know, key guys um that yeah. I talked to um shout out to Justin Key and <laughs> Daryl Playlock. A balanced cabinet, it sounds like. Balance is key. <laughs> yeah. I'm able to talk to them. I'm able to be vulnerable. I can cry. I can ask for um for advice. But I think one thing that you that you mentioned is that we we're gonna fail. It's inevitable. And Sometimes you do things that you're not really proud of. You're like, that wasn't, that wasn't really me. Those core group of friends like Denise or Daryl who will pull me to the side and be like, hey, like, I don't know if you actually meant to do what you just did. And I'm like, yeah. what did I do? Like, you, sometimes you're just oblivious to those things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's important to have that key group that, yeah. you, that you trust, that you know love you. And they have the best in mind for you. And then on on your side, you just have to be open and vulnerable um, to learning and growing and knowing that you're not going to always get it right. Yeah. It's so interesting because it's like our industry is built in some way on facade. You know, there's the adage of like, you got to fake it till you make it. And that that phrasing is a little misleading. I think it's like you have to trust that you know only so much and you have your instincts and your intuition that you're going to figure it out. But you also have to use that same instinct to know the things you don't know and that yeah. you're going to figure it out. Yeah. And I've learned that there are moments where that vulnerability with people who are not in your inner circle can really pay off and moments yeah. where it backfires, you know, there's this idea that especially as producers, as 
people in positions of power that you have to know everything you have to like have all the facts you have to always project confidence and mm-hmm. and sometimes you're not confident about a thing and like learning how to navigate that is is i think the ultimate challenge and um yeah. Because if you lie, you're going to get yourself into a room that you're not ready to be in. And you're going to make a lot of people like who maybe helped you get in that room look really bad. So I, I don't think that that's, a, that's good advice. And I see it kind of permeated everywhere. So I think you're right. People just kind of take it the wrong way. The fake it till you make it is exactly what you said. It's knowing what you don't know, and then going out and finding it and figuring out a way to note that information. That's what I did with Viola. Like I started off as a nanny and then slowly started to gain more responsibility because I gained the trust and I gained the knowledge. And they saw that I was hungry and doing things outside of like when Genesis was at school, I'd be like, okay, do you have a script that I can read? Um, I'd love to like come to set and just sit with you for a minute while, well, you know, while she's doing something else. Yeah learning and then you grow and then they start giving you other responsibilities and they get the ABC deal and they're like, Hey, can you like, then they're asking you if you can read scripts and asking for your opinion on writers and, um, and projects. And then, you know, then I went to Showtime and I started as an executive assistant. And again, where you feel like at times, like I have a biology degree, like (laughs) you're going to have to be another assistant or I'm like, you look at your paycheck and you're like, wait a second. But you start you have to start somewhere and learn. And I learned yeah. so much at Showtime that is to this day invaluable. Relationships that I built as an executive assistant that I have to this day because of that desk. One of the things that I've often wondered, especially someone who didn't come up the assistant route, I feel like a lot of the people, especially that I have on the show, when they talk about their their cabinet, their sort of peers, the people that really are their their main heart, you know, their core group, it's people that came up with them, right? Kind of rose up side by side. But if you didn't get to have that dynamic with people coming up, how do you then build those relationships at this level, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. I think that the authenticity is key. Knowing what you want out of that relationship is key going in. I think in our industry, you can feel when someone is not genuine and that automatically pushes them, pushes you away. You're like, oh, no, because there's so many people who are ingenuine in this industry that it doesn't make sense for you to add more to your circle. I remember reaching out to, to Denise and I know what I wanted from her was she was a young black female producer who was running a young black company and doing projects that I was really excited about. Yeah. And I wanted to know what her journey was. I didn't want anything else other than to just really hear her story. It is hard. I remember like going to Showtime and like you said, everybody kind of knows each other from their previous job. And for me, it was just Viola. <laughs> and everybody else was like, oh, I remember like they worked with so-and-so at, you know, so-and-so agency for two years and they like would send scripts and there's like boards that I'm not on that they can like send an email and get like the, a quick glance at a writer's list that I'm not a part of or 
um, there's always these, this underbelly of our industry, right? Like, mm-hmm. are you in the loop or are you not? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I hopefully one day that that, that goes away. Yeah. Um, I think for now you're right. It is a matter of connections and networking and being transparent is, has always worked for me, but also treating everybody with respect is really important. I think when I've seen people go in and not speak to our receptionist when I was at, when I worked at Showtime, not say hi to the security and just kind of be like, Hey, I'm here to see like Gary Levine. And you're like, but do you know that like Gary walks in here every day and speaks to that receptionist Yeah, and she's worked here for 20 years. And so she has a bad feeling about you. Not to say she would tell him, but he might ask. And if he does ask, yeah. just again, being being a human. I've never understood this thing where you, the self, is separate from your professional like pursuits in our industry. Yeah. It's like, just be a good human and then also be really good at the thing you're trying to do or working on being really good at that thing you're trying to do. Like, that is the secret that'll get you, you know, and be relentless, right? And that'll get you so much further than most people. But you're right. Like saying hello to any normal person smiling at a receptionist, asking a security guard how their day is going, like that's just life. Like, why would you not want to navigate your life that way, regardless of the outcome? In our industry, it's like, yeah, you never know who may be looking, who may be listening. Never. I was literally thinking the same thing. You never know who is in the room. Um, and I have, I have like a lesson in that, that, <laughs> that like really just kicked me in my butt. Do you um, want to share that lesson without naming names? <laughs> <laughs> I was asked to read a script at Showtime and this was probably in my first month or two. So I was new to doing coverage, new to really, um, having a voice on projects and kind of was used to the, oh, it's good. Oh, it's bad. Um, really glossing over things. And so I was asked to read the script. (laughs) I read it and I thought it was horrible. There was nothing in that script that I felt like could be salvaged. (laughs) I was like, this is one of the worst scripts I've ever read. I can't even believe somebody wrote this. This person is repped. What is happening? Wow. (laughs) Um, So in my little huddle of like with all the executive assistants, we're all talking about the script and like we're getting very thoughtful, (laughs) um, very thoughtful feedback. My feedback was exactly what I just said. Like, there's a trash. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) just so happened that one of the executives was like walking down the hall and like listening. But of course, me being in our little executive bubble, like executive assistant bubble, I saw them and was like, okay, they're, they're probably not really listening to what we're saying, though. Because, like, we're executive assistants. Nobody cares what we think. <laughs> I was just, like, reaming this script. I thought nothing of it. Later that day, <laughs> I was in the break room. And the executive came in. And I was like, hi. Like, how's your day going? Great. How are you? I'm like, it was good. It's like, so I heard you, like, hated that script. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, wasn't good. Like, oh, like. My brother wrote that. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> what did you say? I was like, oh, well, I mean, it could have been. Yeah, there was. Um, the, and then. Um, Just backpedaling. Oh. <laughs> your blood brother 
or like, you know, how like we do in our community, like, what's up, brother? Oh, man. Um, but again, just be being thoughtful and never knowing who's around. But that wasn't, I mean, I was two months in. I was great. I definitely don't, <laughs> don't do that. Anybody's yeah. mistake. I once had a, a meeting at Beverly Hills and I was running, I was early, I forget what it was, but I went to have lunch and two assistants sit down next to me mm. and they start having a conversation between them, just talking a bunch of shit about a bunch of people. And it just so happened that the one assistant happened to be my agent's assistant who I never met, but I knew her name and mm. I heard keywords and I heard the guy like say her name and then I heard mm. like say certain names that I was like, I think they're talking about my agency. Wait. And they were none the wiser. And I sent an email to my agent and I was like, Hey, you should just know that your assistant was talking a bunch of shit. And I know it's lunch work and you're decompressing. I get it. But time and place, like our tables were set very close to each other. This was pre pandemic. And I was like, it could have been someone else listening and it could have been really detrimental. And it was embarrassing. The agent was like, Oh my God, it was not a pleasant conversation to eavesdrop on. And it also, as a client, I was like, huh, like, these are the kind of assistants, like, if, who are these people really then, right? <laughs> and she could have been the sweetest girl having a bad day. But in those 30 minutes, I got a really bad impression of her that misrepresents my agency. And that's not cool. Not at all. But I, I want to get to scrap paper pictures. And I feel like it seems like this was a big pivot for you, a big opportunity to step into this new company that Rachel Brosnahan has with a first look deal with Amazon, where you're head of development and production um, from every everything in your path has sort of led you to this moment, it seems like. And it's such a big opportunity. So I'm curious, it's been about six months now that you've been there, right? Since It's been a year. Oh, a year. Okay, wow. Yeah, they Where just have announced. They announced. Oh, it. I see. Yeah. When I, when I found you, it had been like six months into it, but so, yeah. okay. A year in, like, how did this opportunity come about? How is it going? I reached out to CAA and let them know that I was looking for my next job after I was at Will Packer uh, as a manager of scripted TV and really wanted to expand. And, um, Brett Longhart, Shauna Perlman, Angela Dallas, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> shout out to CAA and Joe Cohen. I was like, hey, if you guys hear of anything, let me know. Like, no, I'm looking. I'm happy where I am, but I'm, but I'm looking. I have a relationship with, with Shauna because I worked with her brother, Jake, at Showtime. So not only does Shauna know like my professional life, she knows who I am as a person. Yeah. And that was really important for me for my next step is that I work with somebody who I loved. I think that we as producers get on projects that we're passionate about, but also we need to work with people that we respect and love and admire. Cause like Queen's Gambit example, you could be working with somebody for a very long time. Yeah. And Shauna said, Hey, Rachel, like, She's had this pod for a while, but hasn't been able to hire an executive. Because as soon as she signed the deal, she kind of had to go right back to Maisel um, and has been really under Maisel land. And so she's looking to, to hire someone. I think you guys like personality wise, but also like professionally would vibe. I like, okay, like I love Maisel. Um, I loved her in House of Cards and I did, you know, the due diligence and the research on her and she seemed um, on the the right side of change, which I think was important for me then yeah. as well. And I met with Rachel and her manager, Kinley, 
um, we shut down the coffee shop. We were like talking kind of like what we're doing now. I think when you vibe with someone, you don't even realize the time, right? You're just talking. The guy at the coffee shop was like, hey, I'm going to like start cleaning up and closing, but like, feel free to stay and talk. And we were just like, oh, we didn't even realize. Like, we're so sorry. She had sent me a few projects that were um, in early stages of development that she wanted to pursue and wanted to get my feedback. And so um, like the OCD person I am, I had like written notes. I also had my laptop. I was ready to like deliver all kinds of um, feedback. And her and I spoke on FaceTime a few times just to kind of get to know each other, which to this day, I think her and I will agree that that is what solidified our partnership. Yeah. We talked about our dogs. Uh, we <laughs> talked about our families, things that are important to us outside of the work. Then the last call, she was like, hey, I kind of like this. Like, you want to make this a thing? And I was like, yeah. are you guys going to be out on a date? Like, yes, I, I want to make this a thing. I said yes to the dress. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> so now it's been a year of bliss. Yes. It's been a year of bliss. <laughs> she is my, I call her my pip, so my partner in producing, PIP. <laughs> Um, and her husband and, and I are like, we share, really, <laughs> we share her. It's great. He's like, you guys have to FaceTime all the time. Can you just, and we're like, yes, we just love each other. That's awesome. It's been a good first year. We, we had a lot of things on our slate. We're working with a lot of, uh, partners. We love to partner and we love, um, working with other creatives. We just did yearly departed. Yes. Uh, which is awesome. So excited as about well. you. Yeah. Um, again, being very intentional with that yeah. and making sure we wanted we wanted women to have the last word. We wanted women of color to be in the forefront and behind the camera. And shout out to Ava DuVernay, who's going to be releasing a, a database soon because it yes. was really difficult um, to find um, women of color for a lot of the roles behind the camera. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Rips. I, <laughs> We we did what we could, um, yeah. But it was it's been fun, and like you mentioned, our first look at Amazon and our team there is amazing and so supportive. And our TV projects, Rachel's not starring in, and so it's been really fun for for us both to dive in just creatively and not yeah. to worry about how like she's gonna find time to act and produce in that now feature stuff is she's going to be acting and producing and there's some other projects um, on the feature side that she's not but there are a few that she has to juggle both hats and I know that that stresses her out but yeah um, sure it's a lot of responsibility what is it about the the marriage of you both that you think makes a great partnership aside from this friendship clearly that you have and this affinity and respect for each other but what would you say is that thing we're aligned on all of the important things, but then we're also, we also challenge each other. We also don't, like, we will disagree and still be able to, to maintain the relationship that we have yeah. and the respect that we have for each other. And we'll come to some middle ground, like, hey, and it, it's usually really small. I think that's wonderful. Like it really breeds that trust, right? That like you may disagree, but it's never just in spite of something. There's always a real reason that sometimes, like you said, may not even be, it may be a moot point, <laughs> but that you can have that conversation. That's the real key. You're absolutely right. And again, it's knowing that we both want the the, the, the bigger vision 
The end goal is we want the same thing and nobody wants to feel like they sacrificed anything or themselves or moral compass. And we, we never do that. So like you mentioned about the caca of this year, (laughs) the great thing is that we were able to, to have conversations that maybe we wouldn't have had if the things that were happening in our world last year in uh, January of this year, uh, if they didn't take place. Yeah, absolutely. For yearly departed, we want to have, we want to have women. We want to center women. We want to center women of color. We want to center black women. Like all of those layers come with like conversations. Again, it's just a testament to, to her, um, knowing knowing what privilege is and knowing how to open that door and that conversation because as women of color that's usually not the role that we take on of like let me talk about this because we don't want to be the only and I think to, to Rachel's testament again why it works so well for me personally is that I never feel like I'm alone in a room mm. I never feel like I have to take a stand and be the only person to take the stand. I never feel like I'm the only person who has to answer a question that may be surrounding um, an issue of color or issue of race. I am, you know, for Yearly Departed, for example, our writer's room was diverse and um, there was a, a active conversation of making sure that there wasn't just one woman of color in the room. And that did not start from me. That started from Bess Cal and Rachel. And I was sitting like back in the Zoom, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that this has to be a conversation. Waiting right? for my time to like speak and to say, like, hey guys, by the way, let's just make sure that we don't. And they had already said it. And that to me means we're doing, we're doing it right. Yeah. It's nice to know that it's not a facade. You know what I mean? That it's like, this is real. There are people with integrity who are on the inside doing good things, creating good work. Yeah. And continuing to be that model of integrity and of the thing I preach so much on the podcast of just be, be an honest, good person. Like it's so important. We need that more than ever. And so I. And being vulnerable to knowing the things you don't know. I think we we're learning that too, right? With when you yeah. talk about privilege and you talk about the the learning curve that we've experienced because we live it, um, mm-hmm. and that they that certain people now are just now starting their journey on, and because we're like, hey, we're, we've already seen this. Like they're like, this isn't America. We're like, what America have you been living? You no, know, this is um, America, and we need, <laughs> to, we need to like rewrite the narrative. Is the thing? Yeah. Or first, we need to make peace with the narrative and rewrite it. You know? Yep. <laughs> exactly. And luckily, I have a partner who sees all of it and has seen it from before. It's honestly amazing. I I think you're amazing. I'm obsessed with Rachel and everything you guys are up to. I'm so excited to see what's on the horizon and to cheer you guys on from the sidelines and watch all the things. I mean, I thank you for having, you know, doing this platform and having multiple people on here who tell their journeys and their experiences and that's how that's how I learned. I mean, from someone who didn't go to school for it, I watched a lot of interviews. Yeah. I read every book out there, even the ones that people were like, that book doesn't tell what really happens in the industry. Yes, yes. I read like interviews. So this is like, these are crash courses for those who 
have not taken the, the stereotypical path. Um, all of these conversations are, you know, you take little bits of everything and kind of make your own puzzle, which is what a producer does anyway, right? Exactly, exactly. Thanks so much for tuning in and doing this live thing with me. If you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. I'm at Carolina Gropa. You can find the show at angleonproducers.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Beijos.